In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Anti-gravity, David said, coming down in three, two, and one. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome to another episode of Strange Planet. And on this episode, one of my favorite subjects, anti-gravity. David Zed is the founder of SALT, a company focused on providing solutions to various elements of consciousness, zero-point energy, propulsion, medical benefits, and much more. SALT provides its services to all facets of a variety of industries in an attempt to, at the very least, bring some of the hidden and suppressed sciences out to the masses in an effort to benevolently elevate those willing to collectively realize that we are stronger in numbers, not as individuals. He's also the host and founder of the Generation Z podcast, 
a show covering a multitude of topics ranging from military intelligence to paranormal occurrences relative to the potential and even perhaps direct correlations such may indeed have amongst a plethora of other topics pursued on the channel. David, welcome to Strange Planet. How are you? I'm doing great, Richard. Thank you so very much. It's a pleasure and it's an honor to be here. I do want to say before we get started that I am feeling a little bit under the weather, so please forgive me to your audience if I'm not as upbeat as I usually am, but it's an honor and a pleasure, sir. So Andy Gravitics, my understanding is that's not even a term you, you're really, uh, you don't like it very much. Explain why anti-gravity is kind of a problematic term for you. Sure. So um, if I may, essentially, one of the reasons why, and what I'm about to say here to yourself, sir, and to your audience, I ask with the utmost respect and kindness that no one has to believe what I'm about to say here. I'm just asking everyone to be open to it. That's all. So, so about a year ago, as of the time we're recording this, perhaps give or take, for lack of a better explanation, I essentially cracked, and I don't claim to be the first one to do it whatsoever, but I cracked via different um, particular tools and methods from hardware stores and from just scrapyards and things like this, what, what people would call anti-gravity. But I cracked the multitude of ways in which it was done, then cross-referenced with some other academics, because at the time of my cracking it, um, I immediately, the second I turned one of the my original generator on, as I call it, basically, it set off... Um, uh, I guess you could say an alert via those of various interests and groups, whether government or otherwise, that have such detectors. And one of the reasons that I don't like to call it anti-gravity is because it really depends on what one wants to do with it with respects to negating gravity, shielding gravity, or other things. And a lot of people talk about, you know, well, I saw this craft do this, for example, UAP, UFO. I saw another craft behave in this regard. And I would say to those that claim such, Absolutely. It is of my humble opinion, there are about five different ways that one could develop or crack uh, what's been called anti-gravity. But the reason for that is because it's more so has to do with a variety of different methods relative to perhaps, I guess we could say we call it quantum physics today, but it is something that, dare I say, has been suppressed perhaps even up to three, four hundred years ago. And each method does a different adjustment and I guess you could say manipulation and perturbation of what is known as the local space-time metric. So sometimes you're creating a void or a bubble in the space-time metric. In other words, imagine literally just a bubble around me and everything within that bubble Whatever I do in the bubble does not apply to anything outside into the reality outside of the bubble. Then we have different forms of what people have called electrogravitic anti-gravity. And it is not so much the manipulation of gravity so much as it is, in my humble opinion, the manipulation of mass and inertia. I believe very firmly, both on a theoretical side and on an engineering side, that mass and inertia have direct correlations. Um, and so that's why I don't really like to call it anti-gravity per se. I don't mean to be stingy, but I feel that if we, if I'm going to at least do my best to speak publicly as much as I can about this, I would love to give the, the, the audience, particularly yours, sir, more of an insight into how different forms of it occur. We see, for example, in quantum physics, that something called angular momentum is something indicative of some type of quantum phenomenon. But here's the thing. Notice that... Every time these big words are used, the word quantum is always thrown in there, right? And a lot of times we don't really know what it means. And I'm, I'm with you, man, and I'm with your audience as well when people say, okay, this quantum stuff is great, but what is it? Well, when you ask an academic or a scientist, no disrespect to any of them, 
they will say, well, it's the quantization of the quantum this and the quantum vacuum. Okay, if we really break down the word, we could argue that, you know, quantum means the smallest packet of energy or information structure there is. But that doesn't really help anything. Why not just call it nano or micro? So to me, when I had cracked this initially, it sort of made me think, okay, now I see why and how it's being, dare I say, suppressed or hidden the way in which it is. And that's what led me from going to podcasting to uh, to starting SALT. SALT stands for Strategic Analysis and Assessment of Longitudinal Technologies. We do everything from consulting to private interests to other world governments that are not really in the know as much as, say, for example, the United States may be or Britain or Russia or China. And we do our best essentially to provide presentations, albeit classified ones, uh, because of the fact that as beautiful as this energy is, very unfortunately, it can be weaponized very easily as well. Okay. So it... it yeah. Sorry, when you say you have cracked, uh, yeah. I'm going to use the term uh, just for short shorthand. I'm, I'm going to use the term anti-gravitics. When you say you've cracked sure. anti-gravity, I, I, don't, I don't know how much you're at liberty to, to, to talk about it, but uh, what does that mean? Like, can you walk me through what happened in a sure. the reader di Reader's Digest version of how you cracked anti-gravity? Sure. Essentially, um, well, if I may... Let me start from the beginning. I started my podcast, Generation Z Podcast, about two years ago, perhaps at this point, two and a half years ago. And I had no intention of getting into the scientific engineering field, let alone the, the academic realm. But I realized as I was creating content for my show, I was both self-teaching and also creating a bit of a think tank community with those that garnered and were attracted to my show. And on our patreon.com slash Generation Z, we hold two to three times Per week group zoom calls where we simply explore ideas and no one claims to be right or wrong and so what started happening was as i made more and more content and i found things for example on the dark web some things that not are not so privy to um to be accessible on places like google for example i said to myself you know what this is a long shot i have no academic background i just graduated high school that's it um but I said, you know, everyone's been talking for years on, you know, how can it be done? How can it be done? And the one common theme that I've seen over and over again, whether it has to do with people like Dr. Ning Lee or um, Dr. Evgeny Podkletnov or even Dr. Salvatore Paez, um, is that it seems as though the answer is hidden in plain sight. And so I said to myself, you know what? I said, screw it. I'm going to give it a shot. So I, for honestly, total, probably about a couple thousand dollars in total, um, I was able to essentially create a generator that anything I placed atop the generator, any type of object would hover. Now that's okay. We can talk about, well, Dave, that's just quantum levitation. And this is where I would say, absolutely. But can we make it propagate? Can we make it go flying immediately? And that's basically essentially what I did. Now, unfortunately, after I turned this thing on and, and all of that, interestingly enough, my email on my podcasting side got swarmed with people from the academic realm, people who are, you know, very nice people personally. Unfortunately, I can't mention a lot of their names because they wouldn't be my friends anymore if I did probably. But essentially, it was a very interesting scenario where they, I was approached, uh, I got some warnings, some knocks on the door saying you better stop at this and that. And then I said to myself, you know what? someone's got to give this a shot. And I'm not saying I'm the one. There are many people trying to pursue this. But then I said, let me give a presentation to some people in the DOD. Let me, and there was one group specifically that gave me a shot at first, and I'm very grateful for it. And from there, I was, I then branched off into other groups of the, the Department of Defense. 
all my presentations have unfortunately become classified. Nobody has um, yet to laugh at me um, in that regard, which it doesn't bother me either way. Um, and then I started getting emails from people, for example, people, believe it or not, sir, I don't know how the word spread, but people from, for example, Hollywood, people from other parts of the world that said, Dave, you know, we're f we see that you're, you're, you have um, guts in trying to pursue this and people behind the scenes, they, you know, it's a small world. It, it, people talk. And I said, okay, but what, what's going on here? They said, well, we've been abducted ourselves, or we at least think we have. And we've spent many, many hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars on trying to figure out what happened to us. And they said, they go, because it's, you know, rumor is, is that you've cracked it and you're not particularly under any NDA, but you do know the line that you can't cross before getting disappeared. Would you be able to assist us in, in that form of consultation? I said, absolutely, no problem. So from there, that's when things started rolling. And then I had more and more academics from various fields um, essentially reach out. And since then, I'm currently working on trying to get some of my papers uh, declassified and put into the into the public literature. Because I do believe, sir, that there is a way some of this technology can come out without creating an issue or ripple in various industries. And I also believe that humanity is owed it to a large extent. So you 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 built you have you have no post secondary no uh, sir education you have no background in science technology you built this generator from parts you you salvaged uh, or bought at a hardware store you built a generator whatever you place on top of the generator um, uh, levitates right I can use that word and then yep. it also will take off and. And as you, the term you use, it propagates. It propagates. Precisely. A little bit of an adjustment needs to be made to allow for the propagation. But yes, essentially, I, you know, quartz crystal marble ball going flying through the ceiling, um, you know, putting a, a, a bowling ball on top, uh, not propagating as much because things do need to be proportional to the energy you're using. So I needed more energy. And to get that, again, ironically enough, there isn't anything in the consumer market that seems to allow for it. So that's when things started to get a little iffy, but it, proof of concept was proven and, and done. How long did it yes. take you to build that generator? How many attempts? About, uh, well, well he, okay. So here's the thing in terms of building it, probably 48 hours, but in terms of preparing to go from, I rigorously studied various papers um, of, for for example, Dr. Ning Lee, Douglas Tor, Sir Roger Penrose, um, for example, Dr. Halpudoff, uh, many other people. And essentially from there, you know, Dr. Eric Davis, uh, Dr. Salvatore Paez, I took probably about almost a year of self-education with respects to teaching myself various aspects of propulsion, physics, uh, we could say electrical engineering, a little bit of ceramics engineering, chemistry and optics. And I, I realized something, which is that one must have not a specific understanding of any particular, we could say, a subject within STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, but one must simply have a general overview of it all. And so to me, that speaks to this idea of perhaps, forgive me for sounding overly conspiratorial, but a deliberate butchering within the academic community. So that say, for example, Richard, you're a physicist, I'm a chemist. You and I get into a, a, a back and forth. We never end up making any progress because we're too focused on, you know, oh, Dave, you know, screw you. I'm a, I'm a physicist. Stay in your lane. You see what I mean? Right. So 
so essentially studying papers like, for example, the Aronoff Bohm effect, studying papers like um, Miguel Javier out of MIT, SU2 group symmetry. So I first I had taken many months to understand and run equations and model it theoretically in various forms, Richard Feynman scattering operators, things like this, just self teaching, sir, just uh, reading off of, um, you know, the Internet and just writing down on pen and paper and then saying, OK, after I felt intuitively, I was ready. I said, OK, now how can I apply it practically? What does this so, generator look like? Just, I mean, is it bigger than a bread box? Um, I would say it's probably about four feet in height and maybe two, three feet in width. And you just it's plug like, it in, turn it on? Yeah, it's actually, it doesn't need to be plugged in either. It takes the energy from what we call empty space. Zero point? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, and the moment you switched it on, everything changed yep. Is that when you started to get emails, even though you didn't publicly announce. Okay. So. Right. Right. And I understood after about a week after why and how that was the case. Yeah. Because yes. they, they, whoever they are, they, whatever you activated, it showed up somehow on their radar. Yes. Then I started implementing laser beams and very old school magnetron microwaves. And that's when actually a couple jets, flew over and to be fair though there was a the place where i was doing the testing there was a military base about 40 minutes from there so in fairness it's not like you know but yes essentially i fully grasp and understand how and why they detected it and what the concern was in that regard so it, it the energy pulled it from what we call empty space we could call it zero point we could call it dr sal paez's uh, super force we could call it mr jack sarfati's evo exotic vacuum objects and this is no disrespect to um, anyone religious, but dare I say, perhaps when one sees this in person, it's so beautiful and stunning, which is also scientifically substantiated. Perhaps this is what maybe the Bible alluded to as the Holy Spirit. And the reason I say that, sir, is because it seems like it is the same underlying substrate and fundamental energy that is comprising this same type of uh, mechanism. But there are different ways to access this energy many different ways, but it is ultimately, in my opinion, the same type of underlying energy nonetheless. Just from a personal level. Sure. When you turned that on and it worked, and I don't know, do you remember the, what was the first object you placed above the generator and you watched it levitate? Uh, it was a very small marble ball. Okay. When you saw it work, what was your reaction? I cried, to tell you the truth. It was like, whoa. I, I didn't know it, it was... Um, because I don't mean to sound overly corny here, but this is where I say, sir, that perhaps just like Dr. Salvatore Paez says, this technology and the understanding of it as well, not just engineering, is the emergence of physics and metaphysics, merging the worlds of the very large and the world of the very small. And so, dare I say, it is almost indiscernible from what our ancestors perhaps called magic. I am not saying it is the way. I'm simply claiming with the utmost respect it is a way. I, I truth be told, sir, I, I cried because it was like, my gosh, it, it's it's um there were vibrant colors that are not particularly accessible within the current heat and light spectrum unless one activates and pulls from what's called, you know, the local vacuum or the zero point. So that was my reaction in all honesty. What was the heaviest object you placed above the generator? Bowling ball. Bowling ball. And that worked just the same. It didn't propagate or go flying as strongly as the smaller objects because there is a, excuse me, a proportionality factor that needs to come into play. Um, everything needs to be even. So, you know, for example, one could say, Dave, could you levitate a car? No, 
the generator would have to be far more stronger. I would need probably industrial materials to do it, right? Which which goes back to this whole concept of, well, if someone does crack it, there's a seemingly, whether for better or worse, a system in place so that world governments and private industries and groups that are contracting for them or subcontracting can detect it. So, yeah. And, um, I mean, how did you, how did you um, suppress the urge to, you know, make a video and throw it up on YouTube and say, look what I've done? Or did you? Uh, I did for a little bit, and then it got taken down for scientific misinformation. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, and, and also, you, sorry, go ahead. If I may say as well, this is the part that I'm, I don't like to have to discuss, but it's the reality of it relative to my experience at the very least. Unfortunately, I'm not naive to the fact that there have been people in the last 20, 30 years, perhaps even lesser than that, that cracked it, whether in my, the way that I did it or otherwise using whether fluids or using just electricity and magnets and things like that, that suddenly disappeared, whether they were found unfortunately deceased or they ended up simply just getting a you know large grant from the Department of Defense, and now they just can't comment on anything anymore. So I said to myself, I don't want to have to go work underground for the rest of my life, because it's not about me knowing about it. I want to be able to at least let everyone else know to as much of an extent as I can about it. All right, we'll take a quick time out. David Zed is with us. We're discussing, although he doesn't like the term, we'll use it, <laughs> anti-gravity. Stay with us. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. The truth will set you free. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. David Zed is with us. He is the uh, CEO and founder of SALT, Strategic Analysis and Assessment of Longitudinal Technologies, a company focused on providing solutions to various elements of consciousness, zero-point energy, propulsion, medical benefits, much more. He says he has cracked anti-gravity, and uh, he's also the uh, host 
of the uh, the podcast, Generation Z podcast, Generation Z podcast. Um, you said, uh, you have said, I've heard you say that uh, something like maybe 50% of people or maybe even more, three quarters of people actually have the components is lying around their house. They could build the same device that you that you did to, to create anti-gravitic effects. Is that true? Did I hear that correctly? I would say anywhere from 40 to 70% of people have the vast majority of materials needed in their homes with maybe trip or two to the hardware store to develop what, what's been called anti-gravitic effects and things like this. Yes. Now, to be fair and clear to yourself, sir, and to the audience, that doesn't mean that one could build a craft in their backyard. But if one is looking for a proof of concept in various forms on how to engineer and then, you know, demonstrate it, I would say very humbly that this is indeed the case. Yes. Um, I remember, well, I don't remember, I'm not that old, but I, I remember reading certainly about how uh, Boeing had published articles in the 1950s talking about how close they were to cracking anti-gravitics. We're close, we're going to do it, it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, maybe the late 50s, early 60s, like an iron curtain descended and they yeah. never spoke of it or wrote about it or talked about it again. In your estimation, do you believe that Boeing did crack it? Did they use perhaps a similar device? Based on the things, well, first off, if we were to look at it in a very, in a, perhaps a compartmentalized and then correlated fashion, the fact that, for example, I'm, I will be as humble as I can. I am nobody special at all. The fact that for a couple thousand dollars and in just under a year, I was able to do it on my own, um, just going with my intuition and studying rigorously, trying to self-learn the theoretical side for hours and hours and hours. Yes. Now, with that said, after I had made presentations to various levels of the Department of Defense and otherwise, and even other world governments and other private institutions, um, without a shadow of a doubt, a lot of the things I've been privy to personally, uh, they've they've cracked it, dare I say, even during World War II. Um, so a lot of people say, okay, well, Dave, you know, then why, what's such the interest in metamaterials? In my humble perspective, the interest in metamaterials is a whole other ballgame. It's not to understand what the craft is made out of so much as what it is to understand as to what the the underlying perhaps alchemical components of the metamaterials are for other dare i say consciousness oriented purposes so i know you're you're on location right now you're doing some consulting work you're not in your your lab or your you right, know, right. you normally work so you don't have i'm presuming the device with you uh, but what do you say to people who say well why should we believe you david like show me um what do you say to those people? Show me. I, to those people, I say I am currently working on various efforts and various uh, avenues to demonstrate this publicly. Um, there have been, unfortunately, people who, again, this is pure, you know, hyper speculation, people who have either disappeared, whether been paid off, whether um, uh, in other various forms and facets as well, whether unfortunately deceased, um, in which this has been the case. And so I'm trying to do my best to go public with this in a way that I don't end up disappearing either. Now, at the same time, if for an immediate response to your audience, sir, I say you uh, respectfully to your audience, go with your, your heart and your intuition. No, no one has to believe a single word that I'm saying. All I'm very kindly asking is to just be open to it. So why is it so controversial, anti-gravitics? Why, I mean, why, why, are they, why are they killing people over this technology because when one cracks i'm of the humble perspective based on my experiments 
that when one cracks what's called anti-gravity, you then open up access energetically to the rest. And I'll explain what I mean by that. By cracking anti-gravity, by simply tilting the generator in one way or another, you have now enabled, enabled a form of, dare I say, I have to watch my words here, um, something quite dangerous that could be weaponized and put guns out of business like there's no tomorrow. And with that said, on the positive side as well, it also enables things like telekinesis, in which can be scientifically substantiated. Um, it also enables things like, I know this sounds quite uh, extreme, but uh, portals or opening small portals. Um, it enables a, a multitude of things in which if, if, we, if there were to be a group of people at the very top of private or federal government interests could not control, essentially. Now, from a creative sense, it's the most beautiful thing ever. I do see from a national security perspective that simply making some adjustments, Richard, to this generator, you, you've created something that the, for example, a, a terrorist would have a heyday with. And this, this is where it gets iffy. And that's to a small degree. I don't agree with it, but I understand why it's been kept quiet. But I also think a lot of this can come out without it being... Um, weaponized and, and anything dangerous like this. Well, I mean, is it possible that you you don't even understand what you have in, in that you could, I don't know, with one inadvertent tweak, you could open up a portal. You could, um, I don't know, cause some sort of chain reaction in the cosmos that could be, that could lead to like annihilation. Uh, well, I'll tell you as well, Richard, that to your point, sir, I accidentally set off a couple of EMPs during experimentation. This is as beautiful as this technology is. It's also very dangerous as well. Um, I've since had to protect myself with lead line gloves and things like this as well. And, and yes, to, to, to your point, it can cause quite a bit of damage. Now, to be fair as well, again, uh, that doesn't mean that I think it should stay hidden or suppressed. Hence why I'm actually trying, you know, speaking with people like yourself, which I'm very grateful for, but it, it does enable things that, for example, world governments, would completely lose control over um for example what are they going to do say that you can't open a portal after 7 p.m at night right <laughs> um, it's this is the thing how do they enforce it now i'm not saying i agree with that but there are very unfortunately as many benevolent people as there are out there there are also malevolent people as well so what i've been doing with salt if i may say is that i've been writing a white paper consulting reports for various private interest groups um dare i say even people that are looking to invest in this in a private sector that just want to understand it more and even countries uh, in some cases around the world in which some I have contracts with and others that I'm still working on trying to solidify and land those contracts if you will but the reason I'm, I'm bringing all this up sir is because I want there to be a way for this to get put into the public academic peer-reviewed literature and I say that because once it's in the literature what then happens is after a couple hand or you know handful of years of theoretical suturing and discussion between different you know academics we can then take that and bring it to the industrial market or the commercial market and then from there we can introduce it into the consumer market so in other words I wish I could go you know mad max me versus the world. I'm just going to put it out there. But I will say, if I can give a very strong hint to you and your audience, there have been people on social media that have cracked some forms of it who disappeared after. And that is another thing as well. So some people listening right now may actually be familiar with a couple of the individuals I'm alluding to, but that's the, that's the other issue as well. All right, David, we'll take another time out, come back and uh, continue to discuss how you uh, cracked anti-gravitics.
It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Welcome back, David Zed, aka David Rossi, is with us, founder of Salt, a company focused on providing solution to various solutions to various elements of consciousness, zero point energy, propulsion, medical benefits, and uh, and much more. Uh, we were talking about some of the ancillary uh, effects, if I can call them that, from this generator that you say is capable of creating anti-gravitic effects. Um, I think you mentioned telekinesis. What about time travel, teleportation? This is when it starts to get interesting. Yes, because as I said earlier, I do believe that there is in fact, and this is more for perhaps those interested in the science angle, there is a direct correlation in my humble view between mass and inertia. And the reason for that is because it seems as though there's a direct correlation between the understanding of what mass is compared to weight. And so if one could manipulate mass, you're not manipulating weight. They're two separate things. And the reason I say all of this sir, is because if one can manipulate, excuse me, manipulate mass, you can then, you then start shifting the heat and light spectrum via that of we could say what's called resonant frequencies like randall carlson had mentioned with graham hancock on joe rogan uh, with respects to plasmas and plasmoids i very firmly believe that that is absolutely one way of tapping this type of energy um implosion instead of explosion if you will but the reason i bring all this up is because when one can manipulate mass you can manipulate the local time vector you can also uh, manipulate for example um you can you can essentially do things Things that the Bible and other ancient texts in the literature uh, amongst a plethora of different cultures have described, and it becomes indiscernible from magic. And if I may say as well, I don't claim to know uh, everything whatsoever. As a matter of fact, Richard, I will say to you and your audience, the more that I discover, whether on the theoretical side, the engineering side, or both, the more questions I have. But to me, from a philosophical perspective, that speaks to this idea that the joy is in the journey. So to me, it speaks to this idea of constant pursuit, where something is quote unquote magical until it could become substantiated by science. And then after that, we then say, okay, we, we figured out what, what this is made up of and how that works. But then how does the other, I guess you could say, fractalized state of that work? And so you're constantly pursuing these different forms. And dare I say, it's a very actually... Uh, meditative thing in my opinion it's a very beautiful thing because it speaks to this idea of constantly pushing forward understanding not necessarily the technology but the science i firmly believe there's a difference between science and technology i think we are a species perhaps rediscovering the generally the same methods and apparatuses over and over again where we are focused these days too much on for example i will say that a lot of people are focused on the you know, for example, what is the craft made out of? That's all fine and dandy. And I say that with the utmost respect, but dare I say that the craft can be made of the same type of aluminum that one's popcorn bowl in their kitchen is made out of. It's not so much the material as much as what one does to the material in that regard. Right, right. Um, I mean, do you have funding right now? Do you have a, a proper... Uh, not a proper lab, to be honest with you. I'm, I do have funding, but things are still, I just started SALT very recently. My, the, for you know, the past year, my life has taken a substantial uh, turn, if you will. I think that about six to 12 months from now, I will have a, um, uh, hopefully we'll have my own laboratory to some extent. And um, 
And as well as, if I may say as well, the reason that I haven't really focused so much on uh, the laboratory angle as well is because I, the more one pursues this type of energy in science, not technology, but energy in science, the more one realizes that there is perhaps a direct correlation between what we would call consciousness. Now, I know that's a vague term, so if I may explain. Imagine one goes to a movie theater, and you we understand that a nuts and bolts device, a projector, is projecting light onto the screen for us to watch for our entertainment. Imagine our reality, perhaps. I'm not saying it is, but this is the, the path I'm following amongst some others. Imagine what we call reality, what we call physical, tangible objects are, in fact, light projecting something that then becomes denser in a nuts and bolts sense. It's the other way around, in my opinion. And a lot of people, I will say, behind the scenes, whether in intelligence, whether in academia, whether in even people who just have a very wealthy people who have a boatload of money just sitting around just trying to you know understand more things about life, they want to learn how to, quote unquote, die properly. They want to learn if it is possible to take themselves and I don't mean this in a nuts and bolts sense. I'm focused on the organic side. So no chip in the brain type thing here, but transfer themselves, say, from one body to another in under this guise or idea that perhaps, say, for example, my legs are cut off, my arms are cut off, but I'm still me. I'm still Dave. What makes Dave Dave? You see what I mean? What, what if, you know, again, I can lose my hand, but I'm still Dave. I could lose my ears, but I'm still, what, what is the source of what makes us, us in a non nuts and bolts sense? So if I may say uh, to finish off this ramble, a lot of people will say, well, okay, now you're merging what's been called, you know, the esoteric or the um, paranormal with this, with this class this field of classification. I would say humbly, absolutely. Because it's sort of like when you shine a laser beam onto your hand, you can't feel it, but you know, it's there. It's like carbon monoxide. Oh, honey, you know, the car's on in the garage, Garage, it's creating carbon monoxide. I'm going to go turn it off. Well, again, this could we can liken this to the idea of perhaps a spirit. We know the carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, it's there. We can't touch it, but we we, we accept it as if it simply is nonetheless. But the second someone says, starts bringing up, you know, telekinesis or paranormal activity, people start going, ah, forget it, that's nonsense. Well, just to finish off my my talk here, we have in science publicly, we have four known unifying, not unifying, excuse me, four known forces. We have the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, electromagnetism, and gravity, right? So we have essentially four of those. If we were to draw them out, they would be four nodal points, if you will. There is a there are there are a couple missing ones. There is a missing key, which in fact actually, dare I say, completes Einstein's theory of general relativity. And so essentially, and also if we were to draw that in a visual sense, you would have the Kabbalah or what's known as the Kabbalah. If we were to draw those nodes in a connecting manner, we would have half of the Kabbalah and then we would have the other half as well, unifying the two. And if we connected those nodal points in a visual sense, you would have as what's known as the cave drawings as the plasma squatting men, which brings me back to, I think we were species rediscovering the same things over and over. So forgive me for the ramble, but I just wanted to... Uh, make that uh, known to you and your audience. Oh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Um, talk to me about these Depart U.S. Department of Defense slides you obtained. You, I guess you were messing around on uh, some certain servers on the, uh, on the dark web. What did you uncover? Essentially, um, if I may, perhaps I could show you one slide, if that's all right with you and your audience. Yes, please. Um, let I'm me describe it because we have the 
the video portion, which goes on the YouTube channel, and then there are those who simply listen to the audio on the podcast. So when sure. we'll, you'll yep. show me, and then we'll you, if you can describe it as well. No problem whatsoever. So I do very firmly agree with a lot of individuals when they say that you know plasma or plasmoids may in fact be one way of tapping this energy. Um, if it's all right, sir, I just need you to enable screen sharing. Oh, okay. That may be on my technical. Okay, what do I do? How do I do that? Uh, Click on participants. Okay. Uh, excuse me. Sorry. The share screen green logo. There should be an arrow that says allow participants to share screen. Uh, recognize share whiteboards. Share screen options. Multiple participants can share screen simultaneously. One participant can yes. share at a time. Uh, uh, click multiple. Multiple. Okay. But uh, now what do I do? I, uh, you're good. I'm, it's, it's all on me now. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is, I obtained about 297 slides from the dark web off of a very, let's just say, interesting server, if you will. And it speaks to this idea that this, these slides were, unfortunately, I've had to crop some of the details out due to the sensitivity of them. But um, it speaks to this idea of these slides were, you know, early 90s, perhaps late 80s. Um, I don't know what branch of the, the DOD, but essentially it speaks to this idea of we see here participants in a quantum potential share a common multiply connected space time, MCST. In other words, um, it speaks to this idea that we have perception relative to our personal experience. So it's sort of like dropping a magnet down a copper pipe or a copper tube. The magnet, when dropped down the hollow copper tube, will move slower and will hit the ground slower than if you just drop the magnet outside of the copper tube. Why do I bring that up? I bring that up because it speaks to this slide in the sense that people talk about, oh, I was abducted or I went for a drive or I went for a walk today and I experienced missing time. I would not particularly call it missing time so much as that you as an individual relative to the rest of your environment, both locally and otherwise, experience time differently in that particular regard hence my focus on consciousness and that is what this slide seems to in fact demonstrate now with that said as well it speaks to this idea that where my mouse is here unfortunately i had to crop out because of what was said below it um it says source station in this this what uh, this little yellow box that i've had to crop out which implies that perhaps we may in fact be um I don't, I don't want to necessarily allude to this concept of simulation theory, but it is the closest thing that I can liken it to. Now, I could be very wrong, but when we look at things like this, and then if I may show one more slide yes. as well, um, we see, for example, many, many years ago, there was a what seemed to be some type of device, which I've had to unfortunately cut out certain elements of it as well, that would cure cancer using a 12-foot-long plasma tube shortly after World War II. This was found um, on the dark web the as French. well. This was found on the dark web. And uh, is this DOD as well? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, 297 slides off of a particular server from a former lieutenant colonel okay. um, is, is the most specific I can get. This this, this lieutenant colonel, unfortunately, um, is no longer around in the, I guess you could say, in the physical world. But um, essentially, this, this individual put out a, I guess you could say, fail safe, if you will, or a dead man switch or something like this. This lieutenant colonel was was very adamant on this stuff coming out and for many, many years was attacked, ridiculed. But here's the thing I want to make clear as well. I found these slides many, many months after I had already cracked the, we could say, anti-gravitic angle of things. Now, 
this perhaps, and I will say it publicly, perhaps may have been some of my, dare I say, quote unquote, leverage against some of these individuals, because if, you know, something were to happen to me, I have fail safes and other, uh, you know, emergency plans to, for these slides to go to other individuals. So it's kind of one of those situations where I basically said in one presentation to a particular uh, branch of, uh, of a certain government, uh, listen, either, you know, you, you, you work with me here and we try and do some good relative to, to, to the situ the context of the world, or you, I, I don't mean to sound macho whatsoever, but I or you often, so they kind of went with the first one. It's hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, fingers crossed. Uh, giant coil around 12 foot long plasma tube. And then there's other things on the slide that you cropped out that pertain to. Uh, essentially, it cancer. was curing can cancers. Yeah, you would lie underneath it. And they had first started testing it on mice. And then it went to humans. And then all of a sudden, the French government pulled the funding in the 50s. All right. Well, listen, David, we're um, just about out of time here, but I'd love to have you back on. Maybe uh, we can go through some other of the other slides and, and continue sure. to uh, discuss antigravitics. And we didn't get into uh, zero point energy, really. Uh, that that will have to wait till another time, but it's been great knowing you or meeting you. How do we listen to the Generation Z podcast? Thank you so much, Richard, first and foremost to yourself and to your audience for allowing me to come on and present. And if I may just give a very friendly reminder before I, I plug my, my uh, outlets, um, that again, I'm not asking anyone to blindly believe me. I'm simply asking people to be open to it. Now, one could find me at patreon.com slash generation Z. Um, that is also where we do some of the consulting for salt. People have reached out on the, the direct message side of Patreon there as, as well. Um, as well as uh, you can find me at Generation Z, Z E D podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and of course, YouTube. Um, I do have one strike that I've had to take a break for that scientific misinformation video, uh, not medical, but scientific, um, as well as at Podcast Z on Twitter and Generation Z podcast, no space, no capitals on Instagram as well. All right. And people can look for those uh, links um, in the uh, episode notes. David Zed, thank you so much for this. Thank you, sir. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe at strangeplanetpodcast.com.